This is the final sermon in the Friendship with God series. And I, I'm a little bit sad because I just, this whole series of sermons has been really something that's, like, I, I think it's so important, you know, to be a friend of God and to have God's friendship in our lives and to be a friend back to Him. I mean, it's so important. And, and I hope that if you've missed something, of this sermon series that you've gone back through those sermon series on the on the web and listened to it again and refreshed it to you. Some of those sermons are worth listening to two or three times until you get it right into your spirit and understand what God is actually saying. So this is the final final uh, sermon in this series. And next week we start on another series. So I'm going to ask Liz if she was going to read some of those passages of Scripture because I think I liked that last week when Liz was reading and it was quite a smooth and then I, I jump up and down and like an idiot and then Liz reads again and calms everything down. So that works for us. So we're going to ask Liz to do that. You're going to stay there and do that? That's fine by me. I don't mind. The, and I'll sit here and do my bit here. All right. Friendship with God. Our friendship with the Father God, it's built upon these elements of friendship. You remember we talked about these elements of friendship, and here they are again. This, um, how many people here have trouble remembering things? Put your hand up if you have trouble remembering things. Now let me talk to you just about your brain. Your brain is like a muscle. And if you have a little time and you exercise your brain... If you exercise that muscle, you will find that you will retain things better. So if you learn to exercise it, you try and draw things back into your mind again. One of the little things that I do to exercise my mind is I I draw out the map of Africa. And then I go through every country and nation in Africa and I write its name in its place. So I know where, you know, what are the two countries beside the, the nation of Togo? Togo. Benin and Ghana. So I know where everything sits in Africa. Why do I do that? Is it just because I've got African people here? No. I do that because I have a problem with my brain. And my brain doesn't want to work sometimes. It actually wants to shut down. It says, you're getting old, Mark. So you know what you do when you get old is shut down. And I'm telling my brain that I'm full of the Spirit of God and it needs to shut up and keep on going because I've got plenty more work to do yet. So I'm going to exercise my mind. Now, if I were to tell you what are the eight elements of friendship, could you tell me? Could you tell me what they are off the top of your head without looking at the list there? Because at the end of the exercise, if you can, if you can put some of that stuff deep down into your spirit and your whole of it and say, intimacy is, a, is an element of close friendship. Proximity is an element of close friendship. You know, self-disclosure is an element of... And, reciprocity is an element of friendship and you learn what that looks like you learn what responsiveness looks like in a in a relationship and you learn what help looks like and accessibility looks like and support looks like if you know those eight elements and you've got them in your mind you'll be aware of them and and then you start them up every morning and you think about you know Am I a good friend? Am I providing accessibility to this person? Am I a good friend? Am I being responsive to this person? Am I, am I crying with those that cry and, and rejoicing with those that rejoice? Am I, am I really being a good friend to God? Am I, I, like we sang in that song this morning, what, a, you know, let your, what, what breaks your heart break mine? That's reciprocity in, in a friendship. 
That's, that's me getting to my heart broken by the things that break God's heart. You know, if you have those elements and you exercise your mind to remember those elements, you'll be actually working on your friendship because you're thinking about those things, tossing them through. You see, what happens in our society is we just get brain dead. What we do is we, go, we, 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 we get up in the morning and we try not to think too much about the day and we flip that TV on straight away and it starts talking to us and we don't have to exercise the gray matter. And is it any wonder then that we don't get it? That we sit there and if you're not hammering it in with some discipline, we're not actually retaining anything. We just learn not to hold anything in our minds. And I want to say to you, you cannot be this way in this generation. You have to switch your mind on, not off. You have to think more clearly than you've ever thought before. You have to get a hold of your mind and start saying, I will put my mind in God and stay in God. Otherwise, the devil will take your mind away from you. That's the truth. So I want to encourage you just as an introduction. Look, these, these sermons that we have preached have, have presented to you some ideas which if you internalize will become gold marks for relationships both toward God and toward other people around you. And they will be like a fortress for you, a stronghold in which you can then start to understand what real, true friendship looks like. And friends, in this day and age, you've got to be able to choose your friends well. I have learned in church life that some of the worst friends you can have are Christians. And let me tell you why. Because they haven't learned the marks of true friendship. They pick you up, listen to you, then stab you in the back. They pick you up, promise to stay and do things, then run away and do nothing. Some of the worst friends that I've ever had in life have been so-called Christian friends, have smashed and broken so many people. Friends, listen to what these elements are saying to you about your life with God and your life to other people. Think about how it's enacted, how it lives out and how it's worked out in your life and relationship. Change your behavior so that you can model real good friendship to other people. And you will be a good friend to others and you will be a great friend to God. And God will boast about you on the end time. Have you considered my servant Ruby, he'll boast, because she's a real friend of mine. I want that, don't you? I want to have a, a, a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. I don't know how you're planning to go on through. I'm planning to walk through the front gates. And Jesus, stand up and go, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want when I go there. And you, to do that, you've got to be a good friend to God. Yeah, you've got to be a great friend to Jesus. To have him stand up and say, have my friends coming home. Open the gates. Whoa, Mark, here we are. What do you want? How do you want to sneak in the back door? Kevin's getting through the, through, through the kitchen door at the back, back door, sneaking there. You're, going to get, you're not going to get there, friends. You're not going to get there. If you can't come boldly through the throne of grace and come smacking through there and say, I'm with you, Jesus, you're not going to get there. It's all about, it's all about being a friend of God. Now, listen. 
Intimacy with God. He knows everything about us and he invites us to know him. Paul says, oh, that I would know him. That I would know him and he invites us to know him better. Proximity, he lives with us and he says, we can live in him. You live in me and I live in you. We can have that sense of proximity. Self-disclosure, he reveals himself to us. He pours out his heart and reveals to us. The nature discloses to us the magnificence of God. The word of God shows us the, the, the absolute wisdom in his, his, his account. It's everything about him. He reveals his life to us. He communes, and he says, now you can talk to me about what you're feeling and wanting. Come back, talk to me now. How, 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 what are you wanting, Mark? Reciprocity. We love him because he first loved us. We just give it back to him because he first loved us. Responsiveness. He feels my heart and I can feel his heart. It's his heart that stirs me up to say, come on now, get in there, get in there. Get in there with Jesus. Make this week be a better week with Jesus than last week was. Make this week be a better time with the Lord and fellowship with the Holy Spirit than last week was. Make this week be more righteous than last week was. Let's move, move, move all the time. And he helps. He's so keen to help. He says, I will send the helper, the Holy Spirit, who will live with you forever. He will teach you and guide you and lead you into all truth. The helper will come. He, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come and I'm going to be with you. The helper. Oh, wow, well, I've got help. Who's going to help me? The helper's going to help me. He's so faithful. He's our God. He's so faithful. He's accessible. We can boldly enter into the throne of grace through, the, through Jesus Christ. And he gives us support. His grace is, even when I'm feeling really weak, his grace is sufficient. Because he makes me strong when I'm weak. Amen? God is so good to us, isn't he? One of the things, I read this article about friendship, and this is what has... Uh, motivated me with regard to this whole series of sermons because I read an article, it wasn't a Christian article, a person who just sat down and said, what are the elements of friendship? And then done some studies and, and done some uh, oh, investigation and, and, and come up with these elements that we have there. And I, I think that those elements are true. So I, I, I said, this is true for God and for me and it's true for relationships. So I haven't seen any other, any other article that actually set those elements down so clearly. So precisely. That's why I think it's important that you learn them because I think that's clear and precise. I like things when they're clear and precise. You say, what's a good friend? Well, I know I have a, a, I have a, a pattern in my mind of what good friendship looks like. You know, I'm not confused now when I go on a friendship and I say, well, you know, I, I find my friendship with this person is, is waning. And I think, well, what, what's actually causing it to, to fade away? This friendship is dying. Why is it dying? I'm not confused by that dying friendship now. I can go through the elements and say, oh, it's this one and it's this one. They're the elements that are not in this friendship and that's why that friendship is dying. It's because I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that or they're refusing to do this or they're refusing to do that and that's why the relationship is not lasting. Amazing. You could, you could apply that to your marriage, couldn't you? Hmm. There's some thought. Boy, there's applications for this all over the place, isn't there? Amazing what you can get when you come to church on Sunday. One of this article, so this article had this premise, and this premise says true friends are only really true friends not because of what they can get out of you for themselves, but they are true friends when you help them 
reach their purpose. That's a bit of a twist because true friendship, a person will be a true friend of mine if I help them reach their purpose. So, and they'll be a true friend for me if they help me reach my purpose. That sort of seals it. It says that the other person is not worried about themselves. They are more worried about me and my purpose than they are for themselves. And that seals this and makes this relationship like a concrete thing. You can't break it. Why? Because my purpose in life is to help that man reach his purpose in life. Well, that's an interesting twist because we would always have thought a good friend is a good friend if I can get something out of it for me. And that was proven that when she did all her studies, this, this woman, she said, it actually is that the fact that the person is a good friend if you can help them achieve their purpose. If you're doing that, then friendship is made solid. And if it's reciprocated and they are helping you reach your, your potential, and your, then you will have a friendship that lasts a long time. It's not what I can get out of you. It's what I can give you, how I can help you. Turn to the neighbor and say, how can I help you reach your potential in life? How can I help you reach your... You know what you're doing? You're establishing friendships here because if you really mean that, if you really mean how can I help you reach your potential in life and you start to walk with that person to help them reach their potential in life, you've got a friendship just starting right there. Right there, it will last. If it's not about what you can get out of them, if it's about what you can give to them, it's all outward focused, not inward focused. So being a friend of God then is how can I help share in his purpose? It's like, God, how can I help you reach your purpose in life? And God says, I like the sound of that. You sound like you want to be my friend. I want to be your friend and you're sounding very much like my friend because you're wanting me to reach my purpose in life. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because if you go back to the word of God, God, Job says in in Job, and when it's all over and Job's been tested, Job says, then God replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can ever be thwarted. Everybody say thwarted. Thwarted. All the new immigrants say thwarted. It's thwarted. Thwarted. What does thwarted mean? It means stopped. It's unstoppable. The purposes of God cannot be stopped. God will do what he will do. He will have his way no matter what. When time is finished and it is all completed, God will have achieved his purpose. The big thing is he's giving you an opportunity to get involved with his purpose. His purpose will be fulfilled. He's just saying you can come for the ride as well if you want. His purpose will not be thwarted. His purpose is unstoppable. So Liz is going to read this for us. Listen carefully. How we, and we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. And I'll, the reason I'm asked Liz to read is because we've got a lot of reading today. Here's a little bit by the side. 
when you're reading a book of the Bible, you'll find that there are a number of themes or ideas that come through a book. If you go through the letter of Ephesians, it's only about six chapters long. So it's not a big, it's not a big reader. You could probably read it in about a couple of hours if you're stopping and thinking about it as you're reading it. So as you're reading through, you'll find many different ideas coming through. You'll find the writer talks about different things. And there are like some themes that run through the book. And one of the things that, themes that run through the book of Ephesians is this idea that God has a plan and a purpose. And I want you to look at this. And we want to discuss God's plan and purpose for us because he's inviting us. No, he is de- determining. No, he has predestined us to be part of that. He wants us to be involved in his plan and purpose. He's actually saying to you, look, I want you to be my friend. I want you to get involved. Listen, I'm going in this direction. Would you come and help me go in this direction? Would you come and get involved? Look, I'm just setting this whole thing up so that we, we collectively can do something. Can, would you like to come with me? Would you like to work with me? He's saying, would you, like to, would you like to get on board with me? Would you like to agree with this purpose? Would you like to walk with me? Would you like to achieve with me? Would you like to do this with me? Would you like to come with me on my ride? Climb on my van. Come on, let's go. This is evident through the book of Ephesians. So when you're reading a book like the book of Ephesians, you're thinking about the plan. We're going to be thinking about the plan. I'm going to see it come up over and over again. And we're going to try and find out whether Jesus really has a plan, whether God really has a plan, and whether we really are invited to join into this plan, okay? Does the Bible tell us that God has a plan and a purpose? And are we invited to join into that plan and purpose? Is he extending to us the marks of true friendship, true relationship by saying to us, you can get involved with me? That would be the mark of a true friend. Would you like to help me for my purposes? I can help you with yours if you help me with mine. That would be the mark of true friendship. Does the Bible tell us that? Let's have a look. Off we go. Ephesians. Just a minute. A correction for last week. We had 1 Chronicles 6.19 up on the board. And the Lord is looking to show himself faithful to those who are committed to him. A correction, it should read 2 Chronicles. Okay? So if you go back to your notes, I just wanted to make it, because we sometimes make mistakes. And thank you to Terry, who's not here at the moment, but she actually brought that to our attention. I made a typo on the slides. Okay, off we go. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we, will, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Okay, so you can see from that verse very clearly that God has a plan in mind. That God has a plan and God being an eternal being lives outside of time and space, creates time and space, puts man on the earth and puts everything in place. But before he has done anything like that, he has an eternal plan. He has a mind. He has a plan and he's made a plan. And as he's created everything, he says, I'm going to keep it a mystery now, but I'm going to reveal it. And he is revealing the plan. He's pouring out. He starts opening our eyes so that we can see the plan and the purpose of God. And he says, I will work out everything according to my plan. He says, there's a plan and it all go according to plan. You know, he, he wrote the book. 
From Genesis through to Revelation, he wrote it. And in the book of Revelation, we can read what's going to happen. We can go through the book of Daniel. You can see what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen. He says, this is going to happen. There's a plan. There's a plan. There's a set of times in the end days. He says in Timothy, he says, these days will be terrible days. The Spirit tells you, he says, beware, beware. These, these people will be terrible in these last days. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power of it. And he goes on and explains to you what it's going to look like. He knows because he's living in eternity. He understands. He knows. And he has a plan. And he's let us know. I'm going to let you know about the plan. I'll reveal it to you now. Great, hey? God has a plan. Read on. Let's read on. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ... He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. I want you to see those two things there. The end of the exercises that we praise and glorify God. I mean, one of the things about real true friendship is that you are animated about your real friend. If you really love somebody, you can't shut up about them, truly. I mean, first love is, is, is amazing. You know, when you, when you, when you get, and they, they've met this person and they're just drooling. Every time they open their mouth, they're talking about the person they're in love with, you know. And then that goes to attachment, you know. So the first love sort of feeling fades to sort of a more attached connection. And at that point, attached connection. We, we start to appreciate the depth of the person, not just the superficialities of the person, but the depth of the person. If we are really good friends, you cannot get a wedge in there with somebody who's a friend to somebody else. If I'm a really good friend to Noel, and, um, and, and, and God has built our hearts and built our hearts together, I appreciate this man so much so that if you tried to bring something against him to me, you know what, my friendship for him would defend him every which way. And you know why? Because we're cultivating a friendship. We've cultivated a friendship. And I see in him the, the potential and the, and the possibilities and the beauty of Jesus and the, and, the, and the things that make him such a man of God, you know. And I look at him and I think, you know, what a great man. So, you, you know, you sing his praise, he's not looking at it, and you are reveling in his character, He's not looking for it, but that's what we do. That's what we do. And that in a human sense is typical of humanity. When you're really connected to someone, you can't speak ill of them to me because if I'm connected to them, I'm going to defend them. I'm loyal. That's what friends do. I'm going to believe them. That's what friends do. You can't undermine my relationship to them because I'm not going to believe you over them. I'm going to believe them. And then you say, well, that's not fair. You won't listen to the truth. No, my friendship is strong. It's connected. I'm not going to believe anything that comes and speaks to me if it's, if it's a good friend. That's the loyalty, a trust that's built up in those relationships, you know. If that's true on a human sense, how much more is that true of God when we see the majestic nature of God and see the incredible things that he pours out upon us, when we, when we understand and experience the incredible grace where he, he forgives us and picks us and places us in a place where we... Uh, can you open the door for Common? 
where he brings us into a place where we have liberty in Jesus. You know, and we, and we think of where we were and how bad we were to him and the grace and the forgiveness he gave to us. And we are just overcome with his goodness. We're overcome by the fact that he would pour himself out for us like that. And then we look at the cross and we see how what Jesus did on the cross and we understand the depth that he went to, leaving heaven and all his glory and everything that heaven was presenting to us. And he, he left it, just unclothed himself, wrapped himself in flesh and came down for you and for me. And we just meditate on that. We think about what he did for us and we understand it and we experience his grace. Man, I start to think good things about Jesus. I start to feel good things about Jesus. I start to feel a sense of connected to him. Then I walk out in the, into the park and I, and I look in the trees and I, and I look at how the trees are, are, are just beautifully standing there, waving their hands in the breeze and the summer sun on my back and the birds are singing and I'm thinking to myself, and God made this for my, my pleasure so that I can enjoy it. And I, and I watch how he provides for everything and I look at how he pours out his grace upon everything and he holds everything together in his power. I watch how every night in the night time when I get up in the night and I look out in my backyard and I look up at the Southern Cross, it's sitting there and the whole everything in the heavens is sitting in its place god has determined that it would be there and he holds it there he spoke it there with his mouth i think i am amazed at how big and how wonderful and how majestic and how powerful and how wise and how amazing god is and i and i said don't talk to me about being you know god being unjust and I, you, you're not going to get in here because you know what i'm in love with jesus and i'm just captivated by him i'm just captivated by him i'm going to sing his praise and his glory you know, that's my end. That's the end of my life. It's not about church work. It's not, you know, I, you know, I random rave. You know, I random rave because God is so good all the time. All the time. It's not about doing what I have to do to get to heaven. It's, it's not, I'm just getting involved because I just want to be with, next to my friend, you know. You see, you come to church. Did you come to church today because you wanted to do your work so you could get to heaven? Or did you come to church today to celebrate your wonderful Jesus, who's your friend who you're walking with? What did you come to do today? Did you come to put your money in your hand in your pocket and put money in the box there and think, well, I've done my little thing? That's not going to win your friendship. I didn't come here to get your money. I don't want your money. You know what I did? I came here to sing praise to God because I love Jesus. I love him. I love him to the core of me. This is it. You know, and the end of the exercise, God who fashioned all things and spoke all things into the... He will bring all things together and place Jesus over all things. And we'll all stand there, yay! That's the way it should be. And you know what I reckon he was doing? I reckon he's fixing up something that went wrong in eternity past. The devil started going, you know what? Questioning God and... Evil was found in him. And God says, you know what? I'll have a plan. I'm going to fix it up. What the devil ruined. I'm going to put another set of angels there who will never turn away from me, who will love me, and we will be like the angels. The myriads upon myriads of us stand there and are crazy about Jesus. We'll stand there never to be tempted to speak ill of our Father. We'll stand in eternity, give him praise for the rest of eternity because he deserves it. He deserves every bit of it. Amen? He has a plan that he's asked you to come along. And the end of the exercise, so that we would be for the praise of his glory. That's the end of the exercise. That's the sum total of it, that we would praise him and glorify him. Read on. Okay. 
So he's creating a people for his own praise and glory. That's what we're here. I mean, that's why, you know, if, if you hear people, you know there's a problem with friendship straight away when you hear somebody say, you know, they've just gone through a hard time and they start saying things like, you know, if God really cared about me, that if God really cared about me yeah and what are you going to do now you're going to just make an accusation against God he had fixed this obviously he doesn't care about it. now you, got to, you you really got win points with God now because you're now actually pointing your stick at God the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren that's the one who accuses you of wrongdoing the Bible says the accuser of the brethren stands before the throne of God and accuses daily accuses you daily before God. Because that's not the mark of friendship. Accusation is the mark of demonic things. So one says, ah, oh, this person, you know, he's done now, you know, and he's trying to bring discord. God hates those who bring discord, separation. Hates it. Proverbs chapter 6 tells us he hates those things. Six things he hates, seven he abhors or abomination to him. The last one is those who bring discord, separation. That's a demonic stronghold comes from accusation, sitting accusation, accuse, 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 accuse. Not a good thing. So God wants us to be full of his praise and his glory, and he's causing, calling us to do that. And so how is he going to achieve this? How is he going to achieve this in this body here today? Well, this is the first step he implements when he's wanting to achieve. He's going to make us all into one because he's got to take the things that divide us away. If God wants us to be all one praising him, He's got to be the center and we've got to have eyes on him. So we've got to get our eyes off each other, eh? Well, if you've got your eyes on each other, you can't be a good friend to Jesus, can you? Because you're too busy poking the stick at somebody else and getting excited about God, eh? Not the right thing. So busy finding fault with somebody else, you can't get hungry for Jesus. So busy looking around trying to pull somebody else apart, you can't love Jesus. So Jesus actually says, let's get you all in one family so you don't do that. That's part of his purpose. He's going to break down the things that divide us. Everybody say, break down the thing that divides. Yeah, break it down. Break down the thing that divides. Build us together. Make us one. Make us one. Sad. Make us one. Yeah, so tight, man. You can't get in there. I'd like to work, you'd like to work me against that. You're not going to get in there because I'm really tight with this person. You can't find a thin edge of the wedge to drive us apart. We're stuck together. We are cement. Don't even try it. Don't even try it. We're one. Okay, off we go. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 22. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So part of his plan and purpose is to create a new man, a new person. And that new person comes from every culture under heaven. So I want you to think about that. The, the, the things that divide us can, can, can sometimes be cultural things. Like Pastor, Pastor Jerome might say, well, in, in, in our culture, we don't do that. You know, Mark, you know, but if we love one another, then, I, then the, I'll understand that. And I'll say, okay, well, let's see if I can walk toward you. So that, and he'll say, well, let me walk toward you. Let's find a new way, which is not my way and your way, but God's way. Let's find Jesus' way in this whole thing. And so all of a sudden, he's made peace between the African and the white man. There's peace now between us. There's, no, there's nothing that separates them. And then when God introduces an Iranian brother into our midst, and his Iranian mind has got an Iranian way of things, and he's thinking about a culture that it's different again to the African way, and it's different again to my way. And then all of a sudden, we find that there's all these difficulties that we are facing because we're not thinking the same way because this Iranian way is thinking different to the African way is thinking different to the Western way. And God says, well, let me be the center of it. Let me be the center. And we put our eyes on Jesus and all of a sudden we have communion with Iranian people and African people and white people and we're in the same family and we're brothers one of another. And then he sticks into the mix. He puts an Australian in there. And they're easygoing people, so it doesn't really matter. And then he puts a Kiwi in there. Now we've got problems. Oh, no, not a Kiwi. They only got half a brain, so you know, I'm a Kiwi, so I can say that. You know, you've got to be really careful with Kiwis, you know, because they, you know, we know how it is with us, bros. He's my cousin, bro. We, he's a, he's a Maori. He's a Maori. So listen, Jesus says he breaks all the divisions down so that we be one in him. Now he's bought union. He's bought unity. He's made us into one household and he lives with us by his spirit. He says, now you can take your eyes off each other and set your eyes on me. Now you're ready to do this thing. I can come in and dwell you by my spirit and we're ready to give praise and glory to God. That's, what he, that's his purpose. He's breaking down all the divisions so that he can be the centerpin. So we look at him and say, you are, you are the man, Jesus. You're it. I'm with you. And, and everybody who's in this place, doesn't matter where you come from, from what country you, you originate from, you are here now because Jesus determined you'll be here and he's breaking down the dividing walls and barriers. We don't have to have, to in, we don't have, to have international fellowships, an African fellowship over here, an Indian fellowship over there, a Fijian fellowship there. We can have one fellowship with one voice because God ordained it that way and he is the center. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's his plan and his purpose. That's what he said he wanted to do. What Father God's pur- what's Father God's purpose? To make known his wisdom. He wants to make known his wisdom. He is so wise. Imagine how wise God is. Think for a moment and, and think about how wise God is. I don't have a lot of time, but... If you just look in the mirror, you'll see how wise God is in terms of creation. How did he get your body to keep on doing what it's doing every day? Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. How, how does he do that? How does he get, how, how does he get us 
sinful, wretched, disgusting people, how does it get us to, to a place of fellowship with a holy, infinitely holy God? So that God, infinitely holy God, would pick us up in his arms, us disgusting, wretched, sinful people, and pick us up in his arms and say, my cherished one, my beautiful apple of my eye, I love you. How would holy God pick up a disgusting wretch like me? You've got to have some wisdom how to handle that. He knew exactly how to handle that. He knew exactly how to provide a way of salvation. He knew exactly how to make me acceptable before God. He knew exactly, and he did it all without me. He did it all without me, and he's just so wise. And when I think about the plan of salvation, and I think about what he's offering, he's just incredibly wise. And he says, you know what? I want you to tell others about this great wisdom. I want you to get so full of it, and so overcome by it, that you just can't stop talking about the wisdom I have. Have a read. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 8 to 11. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people. This is Paul talking about himself. I can understand that. He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. He's got a plan. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, right there I get a sneak preview that God actually set this up to tell the devil, see? God actually set this up to tell the devil, see? You thought you thought you could you thought you could act, have an act of treachery. You thought you could defy heaven. You thought that you could stand up in heaven and say, "Why should we do what you want us to do? My own beauty, I will stand and exalt myself against you, God." You thought that you could turn a third of the angels around and have them curse me. I want to tell you something. I can put man in your control, and I can win for myself all the angels back. I'll show you. I'll set a plan in place. And before you were even born, God determined that you would get out of the devil's hold, shake yourself from his sin and say, I choose Jesus, not Satan. That he would set up a plan in place where you would be locked in your sin and you couldn't get out. And then Jesus would come and he would show you his great wisdom and you would choose not darkness but light. You would walk away from the dark one and Satan would say, I can't hold them. I can't hold them. I can't keep them bound. No, you can't. God says, just watch what I can do. I am God. And then out of the pits of hell would walk men saved by the blood of Jesus, an army of angels to take the place of the third that were lost. I got it. That's kind of in my mind. Don't know whether that's right, but it just fits well. That he would redeem us from the bell of hell and call us back to himself and say to Satan, You have no power. All power is in the name of Jesus. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can hold him as much as you like, but Jesus is bringing salvation to the lost and redeeming for himself a people out of the bells of hell. That's the plan. 
I want to get, I want to be part of that one. I want to sneak up to somebody who's so bound down in sin and devil's got them so hard. And I say, Jesus can set you free. And watch that person say, I want Jesus to, and watch the chains drop off, break the chains of that person's life until he stands up free in Jesus. I want to be part of that. I don't want to be part of going to church on Sunday, putting money in a place and building a, a, a building and say, look at that building. It's a lovely church. I want, to, I want to build a people. I want to break the chains of people's life, loose the captives and set them free. That's part of the plan of God. I want to be part of that plan. That's why Kathy gets up on a rainy night time. That's why she goes out on the street on a rainy day, stands out and gives that why? Because the chains of, of sin and self, they're getting broken and salvation is being ministered. That's what it's about. It's getting involved with the plan and the purpose of God. It's God's plan that the church should be exposing the wisdom of God. Not what? To the principalities and powers that think they've got you bound. No chains can bind you, friend. Jesus sets you free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Let's go on. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus <laughs> you know, to all generations, you know, ever and ever. Amen. I get so excited about this one because he says, you know what, you come work with me, he says, and I'll put something inside you they won't even understand. He says, you'll be able to do more than you can ask or think through the power of my Holy Spirit, which I'm going to place inside of you. You just step out there and you just speak the word of faith and you know all those things will happen because you believe. It will be there because God, is by his spirit, is indwelling you by, he will just give it to you. I think, man... If this is true, then and I'm balking at, at my walk with Jesus and playing sort of around. I, I, you know, all I need to do is go full out for God. Just full out for God. And God is looking to be faithful to me. And he says, you're full out for me now. I'll step out there. And the Holy Spirit said, I'll do it. And more than you can ask and think, he will do it through the power of the Holy Spirit who's at work within you. He is so wanting you to get involved with his plan. Watch out if you do. Watch it. Your life will be radically changed. You will not end up where you are thinking you're going to end up. You'll end up where he wants you to end up, and that's a good place. I would rather be there than anywhere else. Amen? Amen. All right. So how is he going to achieve this great plan? He says, Jesus gave to equip, to develop a maturity so that we could all get involved in the purpose of the Father. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a household. I'm going to set up a household, and I'm going to set it in order. And so this is what he told us. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 to 16. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow 
so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, so in this, you know, this is not just a haphazard plan. He says, okay, I'll, I'll get this body together. And he says, now I'm going to give the body certain people. I'm going to give them apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists. I'm going to put them into the body. I'm going to, I'm going to put them into the body so that they can equip the saints for the work of service. Now, what we get kind of confused is that these people are the ones that have to do the works of service. It didn't say that the prophets, the prophets and the pastors, the evangelists and the teachers were to do the work. They said they were to equip you to do the work. So the invitation isn't just for the select few. Oh, you're just one of those full-time ministers. You got, you're God's favorite. You know, the mediators between God and man. God up here on his throne, the plebs, everybody else down here, and the middle class of people, the clergy, which are special people, God's special people, which he uses, he works with. No, no, no. That's Old Testament, not New Testament. New Testament, we are all a kingdom of priests. We're a body of people who all should be doing something. And so he puts his equippers in the body. He puts the pastors, the apostles, the, the teachers, he puts them in the body to strengthen the body so that Heike can stand up and say, I'll take my place. Ray can stand up, I'll, I'll take my place. David can stand up, oh, he's, I'll take my place. He's actually he's one of the equippers. That these people can stand up and say, we are being equipped. So God has got nowhere for spectators in his kingdom. Now this is a bit of a problem because most of our churches today are looking for a spectacle so that we can look at it. So they create a wonderful show at the front here so that everybody can come and watch it. You know, have you, who's been down to Hillsong and seen what happens at Hillsong? Now listen, I, is, I love the people at Hillsong and they're doing a fantastic job and God equipped them. But listen, Hillsong is not for show, it's for doing. And if we create an event for you to come and watch from the back seat and just watch it, you're missing the point. You're meant to be involved in the game, not a spectator of the game. We do not have a football match here happening with a team of players at the front, which you sit down and you applaud when the team of players is going well. This field is for you to be playing on. The purpose is in the plan of God is for you to get up off your bottom and to get active. And our job as equippers in the same is to equip you so that you can do the work, so that you can all do it, so that you can all be involved. There's not, no special people in God. Turn to the person beside you. Get ready, you're going to work. Get ready, you're going to work. That's the purpose of God. Get ready, you're a workman. Get ready, you're a workman. You're a workman. Ephesians chapter 2 says, You were created unto good works, which He prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Did you hear that? You, You were created for good works, that he prepared beforehand, like in eternity past, back when he, before the world was, he said, I'm going to draw out a people and Michael is going to be amongst those people. And Michael, you're called to work, not to spectate. You're called to stand up, you're called to man up, and you're called to get ready, get your work clothes on. Jesus wants you to work as he does Christopher, as he does Joshua, he wants you all to work. <laughs> okay. You know what he says? And I like this. It's coming to the end. We use this one when we hit so hard times, don't we? 
You're going through a difficult time. You know, things are falling out around you. Don't worry, darling. Darling, it's all right. Yeah, we know that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We use it as a voice of encouragement. I want to use it as a rod today. Don't think that God is going to work this out for you if you're going to do your own thing. Probably the chastisement through hardship is there to tell you to turn around and go back to God. You've got to hit hard times. You think, okay, and somebody comes to your well-meaning, but don't worry, all these hard times are there. They'll turn out to good for those who are calling to God's purposes. He says, you're called to God's purposes. If you're not doing God's purposes, don't expect the chief commander to be happy with you. If God has a plan and he tells us he has a plan and it's that plan is all-consuming and he says, I'm going to give you everything I've got to do this plan. And so he leaves heaven, he clothes himself in flesh, he comes down, he lives a perfect life. They come and they nail him on the cross. He gives himself to be nailed on the cross. He goes through the torture to fulfill his plan. Because he looks through it all and says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He looks through it, he goes through it all because it's part of his plan. That's part of his plan. He says, I will do all I can do to fulfill my plan. Once I've done all I can do to fulfill my plan, Steve, I need you to do all you can do to fulfill my plan. What is it going to take? Well, I'm going to have to leave everything and follow you, Jesus. That's right. I left everything to, to come down and catch you. There are two parables that are interesting parables. Man who goes and finds a, a treasure in the field. He leaves and sells all that he has to buy the field so he can get the treasure. We are the treasure. Jesus left all in to buy the treasure so he gets the field so he can get us. The next one is just like the other one. A man who's looking for a fine pearl. He finds the pearl of great price and sells all that he has to buy the field. We are the ones who are looking for the pearl of great price. We find Jesus. We sell all that we have. That's reciprocity right there. Jesus says, I give it all to you. Now give it all to me. Let's do this together. Let's give the devil a black eye. Yeah, blue and black. Yeah, yeah, it's just, do this to the devil. I'm serious. I'm serious. Jesus is not happy with the devil. So why have you been friends with the devil? Friendship with the devil is hatred towards God. You've got to, got to get that in your spirit. Friendship with the devil is hatred towards God. Don't play with the devil. You're committing adultery with the devil. It's not going to work. You've got to be part of the purpose of God. That means you've got to get holy and you've got to get good. You've got to get going and you've got to get, get all of those things. And God says, if you're doing all this and you hit some hard times, it'll work out all right because you're called according to my purposes. You're walking. I'll look after you because you're called according to my purposes. You're in the plan. God will look after you in the plan. He will not look after you if you're not in the plan. If you're not in the plan, expect to get trouble. If you're thinking that you can live with the devil, expect to get trouble because the devil's going to rip you off and God won't stand in there and protect you from him because he wants you to learn something. He wants you to learn, don't court with the devil, you'll get germs. Seriously. God will let the, the thing fall on you like it did on the prodigal son. He came to the end of himself and when he hit the end of himself, he said, oh God, I should go back to my father. God will let that happen to you if you play round with the devil. It will all fall apart. And Jesus gave us his instruction to achieve his plan and purpose. Let's read this. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, you know what amazes me? You know, <laughs> here he is, he's, he's, he's been crucified, he's been in the grave, he rises again, he, he reveals himself to disciples, and they, they're reveling in the fact that Jesus is alive. They feel empowered and invigorated because, and he says right now, let me tell you the plan. I'm going to go now. And they're all standing there and they're watching him, and he, he's going up. He's going up before them. He's been taken in the clouds, and he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you to, to the end of the age. And he says, that's the plan. Remember the plan. Go, do it. His last words. His last words to these guys. Get on task. I love you. I'm with you. Hang around for me. I'm going to come and empower you. But let's do it. And these guys, these coward guys who had run away at the, at the crucifixion, now started to huddle together in a prayer meeting that lasted for about 40 days. And then when the Holy Spirit came upon them, filled them with the Holy Spirit and with power. And the very next thing that took place 3,000 people are added to the, the body of people. <laughs> like that. I, I, I'm just amazed. I said, he is so desirous. God is so desirous about his plan. God is so full of his plan. So is, God is so aware of his plan, so focused about his plan. He is so into it. He has got a plan and a purpose. And you, when you look at your life, ask yourself the question, are you into the plan and the purposes of God the same way? Are you into it? Are you really into it? Or are you into your career? Are you into your education? Are you into your car? Are you into your TV program? Are you into everything else that's not part of the plan? When we start talking about the plan, it has rub up your wrong way. Oh, that churchy stuff's getting... Listen, my friend, you're part of the plan and you're not in the plan. You're part of the plan or you're not in the plan. And you can't fool yourself. You can't sit here and say, well, I look like I think I look like I go to church or something. It doesn't matter. If you're not part of the plan, you're not in the plan. Get it? You've got to be in the plan. There are no spectators in this one. And God knows whether you're working because God's given you instruction every day by His Holy Spirit. He said, do this for me, do this. And He knows whether you're listening to Him and He knows whether you're turning away from Him. He knows whether you're seeking proximity with Him, whether you're being you know, aware of His plans and doing it. He knows what you're playing with. He sees what it's about. You can't fool Him. He's looking for your heart. He wants to see it's fully committed to His plan. We have a purpose as a body here. This is not Mark doing the Mark Reed show. It never was. It never will be. This is about a body of people being what God wants them to be. That's my plan because it's God's plan. It's my vision because it's God's vision. I didn't get this. God gave it to me. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's rise up inside and let's do it. Let's be what God wants us to be. In the last days, in the last days, most will fall away. In the last days, the love of most will grow cold. Oh, so not a, it's not a good look in the last days. But listen, he who overcomes, he who stands will overcome. That's the, the end of the issue is make your stand. Make your stand. 
I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm standing with my brothers and sisters, and I'm standing. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to get captivated by God's plan. I'm going to get captivated by the purpose and the fellowship that he's put me into. And we are going to achieve everything that God wants to achieve through us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you help us to be your friend. Friendship with you is entering into your purpose and into your plan. Lord, you look for those who will commit themselves to your great plan. And Father, we want to say to you today, pick us up, Lord Jesus. We want to be on your team. We want to play this game with you, Jesus. We want to be doing your plan in this world. Help us, Lord Jesus, to keep our eyes on you, Jesus. And Lord, to not be deceived by the stuff in this world. Help us to focus in on the plan that you have for us as a fellowship, this little fellowship CDM, Lord Jesus. Lord, it may be small in our own eyes, but I know, Lord Jesus, you like us. You like what we're doing, Lord Jesus. I know you care about us. You care what we're about, Lord Jesus. You have shown us time and time again that you are with us and that you are empowering us. And Lord Jesus, we are confident that you are, Lord, wanting us to move, Lord Jesus, as a fellowship. And we as a fellowship want to say to you, we're ready to move, Lord Jesus. We're ready to do what you want us to do, Lord Jesus. You found us. We want to move with you, Lord Jesus. Help us, strengthen us, and empower us, we pray in Jesus' name. As you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you may be feeling a calling on the inside. Jesus calls us to this work. It's a sense of appointment that he gives us. It's like a, it's like a hook inside and it's drawing you and pulling you and it's like you've got to give away stuff to get involved with God's plan. And he's letting you know that that's what he wants. You can feel it on the inside. I want you to stand up. If you're feeling that hook on the inside of you, drawing you, God wants more from you and it's like you have to get involved with the plan and purpose of God. If that's where you're at, I want you to stand to your feet right now. We're going to ask God. This is just You show him that you're meaning business with him right now. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, you see those who've stood, Father, before you. Lord, they're your workmen. Lord, these ones commit themselves to you afresh today. They say to you, Lord Jesus, whatever it is you want us to do, Lord Jesus, wherever you want to send me, whatever you want to do with me, I'm, I'm okay with that. I want to be part of your plan. I want to be, in the end, walking through those front gates, feeling confident to come before your presence, Lord Jesus, and knowing that you will stand and give me a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom, Father. We want to walk through those gates of heaven, feeling proud to be part of the plan of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Touch them, anoint them, and direct them, and send them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.